to the City View Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. I remember the day that I met this, this man. His name is Pav. And this man, Pav, he, uh, he, comes, from, he comes from Vietnam. There's a, a picture of, of he and I. And it was a year ago, this, this month, and we, we were approaching, me and the, the other pastors that were going to, to train these, these Hmong pastors, these Hmong church leaders, in, in some of the basics of, of leadership and, and Bible, and you know, I'm excited, this is my first time to take part in this kind of trip, and we kind of approached the, the location on this kind of dirty, bumpy road, and we pull into this school that let us uh, rent out their open-air gymnasium to, to hold these sessions. There were about 60 pastors gathering here, and, and, and as, we, as we pull in, we're, we're literally in the shadow of a giant Buddhist temple here on the left side, and, and we pull up in, into the, the, the school campus, and, and there's this open-air gym that we enter in, and I see this man, Pav, and he's sitting at a table, and I thought, well, I'll go, I'll go speak with him and talk with him, and, and maybe hear some of his story to gain some context as to what, what kind of people am I, am I with? What, what, what opportunity do I have to, to be teaching these, these church leaders that are going to go back and, and lead their churches? And as I, I sit down with this man in, in his very broken English, he begins to tell his story. And he tells about his family that he is a, a, away from several days a month as he goes and checks up on the churches and the pastors that, that he's ministering to. He, he gets out his, his phone and he begins to, to, to show me their, their, their faces, his family. And then, and then he, he gets to a point and there's a, there's a picture of somebody that, that's all beat up. And I said, what's this about? And he said, oh, this is, this is one of the church members that has been beaten for their faith. And I sit across the table, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm looking at this man, and his, his eyes start to well up with tears. And he begins to tell me how tired he is, how discouraged he's been, and how much he hopes to gain from this experience, how, how much, how much encouragement and fellowship with with other pastors he hopes to to experience, how much training and, and practical practical tools that he could take back to impact his leadership, impact his his churches, because he's just really hit a low in his life and in his ministry. And, and I look at this man, and I, and I think, this is an ordinary man, ordinary attire, ordinary bank account, ordinary family, ordinary everything. And yet, the only word that could come to my mind as I, as I sat back and, and fought back my own tears and thinking, oh my Lord, how am I supposed to teach him? He should be teaching me. I have the responsibility of, of bringing your word and your training to this man, Lord. All I could think of is this man is extraordinary. I later found out that Pav is actually responsible for nearly 100,000 believers in Vietnam. If this network of churches and this network of pastors are ministering to nearly 100,000 pastors. And then I'm reminded of our God who loves to use the ordinary for the extraordinary. 
Our God loves using the ordinary for the extraordinary. In fact, that's one of his specialties. That's something that he excels at. And he's doing it today in Southeast Asia. And he did it 2,000 years ago with a group of believers. And what I want us to do today is I want us to, I want us to closely examine the lives of, of two of these believers specifically. And then I want, I want us to ask some questions about their lives. What, what do they believe? What do they value? What, what makes them tick? Because these questions are important because now they're going to be flipped back at us later on in the morning so that we can see, is, is God still in the business here in Phoenix, Arizona? Is he still in the business of using the ordinary for the extraordinary? Because I believe there are some ordinary people here in this room. I believe there, this room is actually full of ordinary people who are ready for God to do something extraordinary in their lives and through their lives. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for being an extraordinary God. We thank you for, for looking at us and seeing something of value, something of worth, and that, that you, you are molding us. You are building us. You are creating us. We are your masterpieces, and you're not finished with us yet. God, I pray that you would remind us of these, these truths here today, that we would be reminded of your love here today, and that we would go from this place, no longer looking in the mirror and seeing something ordinary, but, but looking to you, Lord, to make us into someone extraordinary. In Jesus' name, we all said, amen. Let's go ahead and go to the book of Acts. We're continuing the series, There Is More, where every single week we've been unpacking a, a chapter of Acts, some stories, and seeing how God is constantly revealing the more to this group of believers. we we got to understand how raw this group is, how new this movement is, and, and how they didn't have a manual. They didn't have like a step one or step two. There was no discover experience the first two Sundays of the month for them. There was no city kids for them. There was no structure per se. They were just trying to figure this out as God led them to become this new way, this new family, this new revolution that they had no idea how it was going to change the world forever. Last week we talked about Acts chapter 3 and we, we saw this, this man miraculously healed. Well, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 4 and at the end of Acts 4 some extraordinary things happened. Extraordinary like when the believers prayed, the ground beneath them shook. I don't know if you've ever prayed and the ground shook. It could have just been a coincidental earthquake, but I have never prayed and the ground beneath me shook. That is extraordinary. There's also a story at the end of chapter 4 where all the believers got together to make sure that nobody was in need. Can you imagine that? So if, you know, if row 4 here was kind of experiencing some need and row 5 is like, hey, we, we got extra, we got you, and they, they pooled resources together, they, they pooled money together, they, they did whatever it took to make sure that everyone was in need. They were loving one another. And I'll tell you this, when, when we get to loving one another, we won't have room in all of these theaters for the people that want to be part of that movement. You see, they were, they were loving, they, they, were, they were meeting each other's needs, they were praying, and God was doing extraordinary things in them and, and through them. But what we're going to do is we're going to look at the first half of chapter 4 because I think there's some, there's some things that we can unpack 
based on the, the lives of these two individuals that kind of help us point to how has all this extraordinary happened? How, what are some of the basic and ordinary building blocks to what's, what we're seeing in Acts chapter 4? So let's go ahead and, and go there. Acts chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 4. We're going to read a few verses here, here and there, a few at a time, and then we're going to just call time out, talk about it, and then we're going to progress through and then get to us here today as to how does this apply to our lives. So let's go ahead and start. Acts 4. Verse 1, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the, and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day, but many who had heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Let's, let's stop right there. So we, we just came off of chapter 3 with the, 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 the guy that was lame, that could not walk. He, at the, the temple gate called Beautiful, was, was sitting there. Remember, Peter and John went to him and said, look at me. I don't have any money, but what I do have, I, I give you in the name of Jesus. Get up and walk. And, and, and this man was, was healed. It was amazing. And, and here now we have the consequences of this amazing act. The, the, the consequences per se of, of, of what it looks like when, when you do things in the name of Jesus and people don't like it. You, you do great things in the name of Jesus and people get jealous. You, you notice here that they were disturbed. Who's they? The priests, you know, the rulers, the, the leaders, the, the ones who were trying to protect the old religion, protect the old ways. In other words, protect themselves and their pride and a structure that put them up on top and everyone down below so they could conveniently look down on everyone and receive everyone's praise, receive everyone's worship. In admiration. It says in verse 2, they were greatly disturbed. Nobody will ever be disturbed by nice people. I just want to point this out. Nobody will ever be disturbed by, by being nice. These, these men, these, these leaders, these teachers, they were not disturbed because Peter and John were being nice. Why were they being disturbed? It says right here. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. You see, they were proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. When you go from nice to proclaiming the resurrection of the dead, that's, that's when sometimes things get weird. That's when sometimes people begin to get disturbed. You see, if, if the resurrection, if Jesus raised from the dead didn't happen, then all this is pointless. We're here for nothing. If you want to read more about that, I encourage you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's, it's kind of nicknamed the resurrection chapter. And if you want to dig into that thought, it's a, great, it's a great place to dig because it reminds us of how important the resurrection truly is. You see, God, God doesn't just want to make our, our lives better. He, he wants to ground our lives on the power and the truth of God's resurrection because just like if the resurrection from the dead isn't true, this is all pointless. The flip side is also true. If Jesus did raise from the dead, then all of this is true. And so we have our faith grounded in what Jesus did, his death, his burial, and resurrection, and it will at times disturb people then, now, and always. But, verse 4, 
many people who heard the message believe. This is so cool because even in a perceived failure, even though the, the consequences are, don't look great for Peter and John, they're going to be thrown into prison, they, they, might, they might get beaten for what they've done, but God grew their number. It says it went to 5,000. It had become 3,000 around Acts 2. Now we're going from 3,000 to 5,000. That is an amazing growth. And even when it seems bleak, even when it seems like a fail, God never fails. God is always moving. Let's move on to verse 5. The, the next day, the rulers, the elders, and the, the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do, did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke to them. Let's, let's pause right there. What I want us to, to realize is, is something extraordinary happens when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. What, what, what exactly does that mean? Well, being filled with the Holy Spirit, it means the Holy Spirit is giving you guidance and, and influence in every area of your life. Your, your, your finances, your relationships, your, your faith, of course, your, your life decisions. And the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us. If you're a follower, believer of Jesus Christ, he, he gives us the Holy Spirit, his spirit, so that we can have the power and the wisdom in order to live this Christian life. Without it, God would just be the typical terrible customer service that none of us like. This, when we ask for something, they say, oh, yeah, it's over there in aisle 13. Good luck. Hope you find it. No, God wants to not just be with us as he was as Jesus. He, he wants to be in us. And now we have this gift of the Holy Spirit. We have God in us, and that's how we can live this Christian life. And that's how Peter and John were able to do extraordinary things. Being extraordinary with God begins with being filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit gave them courage. The Holy Spirit gave them power. Let's continue reading here. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and, and, and people asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. You see, Jesus, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Not only were they filled with the Holy Spirit, but they believed in Jesus alone for salvation. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they believed in Jesus alone for salvation. Why is that important? They didn't believe in Jesus plus the law. They didn't believe in Jesus plus you had to be Jewish. They didn't believe in Jesus plus you had to be a man. They didn't believe that Jesus plus you had to be free and not a slave or, or, or rich or from the right family. No, they believed in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation. This was radical in this time because Jesus broke open the, the walls. He, he busted through all the barriers that, that told people before what they had to be and, and who they had to be in order to be considered to, to be a part of a movement that, that would give them and grant them relationship with God. Now Jesus 
because of his death, burial, and resurrection, he, he ripped the curtain. He, he tore away the obstacles that were separating ordinary people from knowing an extraordinary God. Ordinary people from being saved by an extraordinary God. And, and Peter and John believed in Jesus alone for salvation. It is, it is only by Jesus. It's the only place salvation can be found. That, that seems that could seem obvious to you if you're a Christian, and yet today there, there's, there's such a, a multitude of beliefs. There's such a buffet. There, there, there is such a, an acceptance for multiple things, and yet we don't serve a God that wants to be just another picture on the bulletin board of salvation. He wants to be the only one that can save. This is so important when it, when it relates to being extraordinary and doing extraordinary things for God. Verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled and ordinary men. Let me read that again. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, standing, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin. They conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Something that we can notice about these ordinary unschooled men, is that they had spent time with Jesus. They, they, as ordinary people, as people that would have never been accepted into any kind of rabbi school, if you will, to, as, a, as, a, as any young man in, in this society would have dreamed of being called by, a, a, accepted by a rabbi to, to study the law and to be a part of their religion in a special way. No, these guys were rejected long before, and they were fishermen. And yet Jesus called them as ordinary men and invited them into his school, into his movement, into his revolution. As ordinary and unschooled men, they, in their courage, filled with the Holy Spirit, believing in Jesus alone for salvation, were blowing the minds of the religious leaders of their time and their place. They couldn't, they, they, they had no comeback. They had nothing to say. They were speechless. They didn't know what to do with these men. And they took note that they had been with Jesus. That is such a, a powerful, powerful point here. We're going to unpack that in, as it pertains to our lives in just a moment. Let's finish up this passage with verse 18 to, to 22. Then they, they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. And after further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them. Because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. In other words, he wasn't faking it. In other words, everybody knew him. In other words, everyone knew that this man had been healed and there was no way outside of God that it happened. 
something else to to mention about these guys. They, they, they said, we cannot help cannot help but speak about God. We choose to listen to God first, not you. In other words, they lived to please God. They lived to please God. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. They believed in Jesus alone for salvation. They spent time with Jesus, and they lived to please God. Those four things, they don't seem like much. They don't, they don't seem like really big ideas or, or, or major, major, major things or, or activities, I guess, if you will, in their life, and yet it was those four things that set them up to do the extraordinary with God. You see, they refused to be pleasers of people. They refused to stand in the presence of their religious leaders and and bow down to their ideas, bow down to their influence, and give way to the, the fear that was welling up inside of them. No, because they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they had nothing but courage. And because they'd spent time with Jesus, it came out like a, like a roar of a, of a lion. And, and, and these, these religious leaders, they were cowering away in fear because these men had so much power coming through them because, because they were living to please God. Now let's talk a little bit about here and now. What, what, do, what do we need to do? We need to step into the extraordinary that God has prepared for us. You and I, we need to step into the extraordinary that, that God has prepared for us because God loves using the ordinary for the extraordinary. Again, you, 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 might, you might have a, a very ordinary bank account, ordinary attire, ordinary family. You might be like Pav, and, and it just not really look like anything amazing on the outside, and yet God sees you in all of your ordinariness and says, I want, I want you on my team. I, I want to use you to do some amazing things. I want, I want to use you in my revolution as we send this message of, of truth, of, of love and grace to a lost and dying world. God invites you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we got to ask ourselves, what am I filled with? What am I filled with? My wife and I enjoy, from time to time, going to Sonic. And one of our favorite drinks there is a cherry limeade. Anybody like the cherry limeade? Yeah, yes, yes. So cherry limeade, not to mention the, the, the Sonic ice is far superior to most other places. But... My wife always reminds me, Mark, get low ice. Get, get low on the ice. Now, why would you get low on the ice? Because if you get low on the ice, you get more of the cherry limeade. Novel idea. Same price, more cherry limeade. Being filled with the Spirit is kind of like recognizing the fact that you actually, at the end of the day, want more cherry limeade than you want ice. You could call the cherry limeade the Holy Spirit if you want, and you could call the ice you. God wants to invite you into a life where you are all cherry limeade and no ice. It might not happen right away. You know, there's there's a little bit of us in each of us. And, uh, And oftentimes that's the problem with us. But if little by little we choose to be more and more filled up with the Spirit. We choose to be more and more filled up with Him and less and less of us. John the Baptist said it himself, John 3.30, let Him increase and me decrease. He was a man before his time. Let there be more of Him in me and less of me. And when that happens, God begins preparing 
the extraordinary for our lives. God invites us to believe in him alone for salvation. Simple question, but what, what, do, you, what do you believe about Jesus? What do you believe about salvation? Is it, is it Jesus plus perfect attendance at church that gives you salvation? Is it Jesus plus being nice? Jesus plus uh, making good grades at school? Is it, is it Jesus plus having more money than you need? Is it Jesus plus coming from the right family or Jesus plus what, what, whatever odd constraints that sometimes we put on salvation or these extra add-ons when Jesus says, I want to do away with the add-ons and I want to be the be-all, the end-all, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end of salvation. There's none but me. What do you believe about Jesus? I believe what you believe about Jesus could radically change your life. What you believe about him and, and salvation would change, would change everything. Another question we got to ask is, who are we spending time with? God is inviting you today to spend time with him. Did you know that? God, the creator of the world, he wants to spend time with you. That's amazing. Because he loves you. He cares about you. He made you. Will you accept his invitation to just simply spend time with him, spending time reading his word? Don't worry about not understanding everything. Don't, don't worry about pronouncing a name in the Bible wrong. God doesn't care about that. God just wants to spend time with you, and he will be faithful to speak through his word to you for what you need that day. God wants to hear from you. He, he wants you to pray. He wants to he wants you to spend quiet moments with him, just listening to his still, small voice. And, and the more you do that, the more you'll understand what that means and, and how amazing it is to just be in the presence of God. Who are you spending time with? What are you filled with? What do you, what do you, what do you believe about Jesus? Finally, another question that, that really begins to pierce our soul is to helping us Realize if we really want to be extraordinary, if we just want to stay ordinary for the rest of our lives, and that's who are we living to please? Who are we living to please? There's, there's all sorts of people out there to please. We might have parents to please, grandparents to please. We might have kids to please, friends to please, society pressures to please, a boss to please, a, a teacher to please. And, and, and those people might sure enough deserve our respect and and we honor them, but our lives do not exist to please anyone but God. You see, when God created us, we, we, we have many inner workings. We're like the, the most complicated, in some ways, Ikea project that you could ever put together. And, and, and oftentimes we, we get screws missing, we put things in the wrong place, we go in the wrong direction. I mean, I think we've all, I think we've all been there. And we're just putting the pieces of our lives together wrong. And God, God wants to be the one that, that shows us that demonstrates for us. God wants, God wants to be the one that, that is cheering us on every step of the way. God, God wants us to, he wants to be the one that, that we look to and, and we look to for, for love. We, we look to for, for, 
for that thumbs up, for that affirmation, for that high five, for that well done, good and faithful servant. Good job, daughter. Good, good job, son. You're doing exactly what I created you to do. And even when we mess up, he's saying, it's okay, get back up. My grace is sufficient for you. Who are you living to please? Because if you're living to please a society that doesn't know you or care about you, it's gonna be, it's gonna be rough. If you're living to please people that you'll never meet in your whole life, it's going to be an empty life. If you're living to please people that, that can't be that, that perfect influence, that, that perfect God in your life, you're going to be disappointed. But if you live to please God, you'll be so satisfied. You'll be so filled up. And you'll begin to experience what it looks like when God uses the ordinary for the extraordinary. If you, maybe you've been a, a Christian for, for a long time and, and maybe you've kind of bought into the lie that God's done with you, let me tell you, he's not. God's not done with you. Don't be done with him. Let God do extraordinary things in your life again. Maybe, maybe the most extraordinary things in your life are in the past. Well, well, Talk to God today and say, I don't want the best days of my life to be in the past. I want the best days of my life to be right now. And begin to allow God to, to move the pieces around in your life so that you can be a part of his extraordinary again. It's as simple as being filled up with him and believing in him and spending time with him and living to please him. Maybe you're a new Christian. Stop believing in the lie that says you have to be at church for, for a year before you can start doing extraordinary things with God. No, that's not true. You can do extraordinary things in day one. God loves to use new people that are newly believers in him to, to, to change the world. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be at church a certain amount of time. God wants to use you. And maybe, maybe you're here today and you've never been, you've never been transformed by this amazing God. You, you've never put your faith in him. You've never been filled up with the Holy Spirit. You've never really spent time with God per se. And let today be the day that you put your faith in him. Let today be the day that, that you are saved by Jesus alone and not by not by anything that you could have done. What we're going to do right now is we're going we're to pray. We're going to offer you an opportunity. If you have yet, yet to put your faith in Jesus, we're going to give you an opportunity to do so right now. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to lead you in a response time because we want to make sure that, that you have this opportunity to step out of the ordinary into God's extraordinary life that he has planned for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time that we have together this, this morning to experience your goodness, to experience your, your presence, to experience your love. God, you, um, you've got so much for us. There is so much more, God, that, that you have in store for us. And, God, a lot of times you're waiting on us and we're holding the process back. And, God, we want every single one of us here today to, to move out of an ordinary life and into what you have in store for us. And, God, I believe that there's, there's some people in here that have yet to, to put their life in your hands, to trust you with salvation, to to experience your forgiveness of sin. If that's you here today, I just encourage you to, to use this prayer and pray with me to God and receive.
receive new life. Just simply say these words, Lord, I, I know I need you. God, in the past, I've tried things on my own that doesn't work, and I've messed up. But I'm ready for something new. I'm ready for your salvation. Lord, I believe in you for salvation. Jesus, forgive my sins. I want to follow you. I want an extraordinary life. And with all of our eyes closed, I just want to ask you if you prayed that prayer, if you you are believing now in Jesus for your salvation, believing in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, would you just raise your hand? As the rest of us keep our eyes closed, I just want to ask you to raise your hand. We've got ushers that would love to, to give you a gift to get you started. It's a journey. It's an adventure. And you're with a group of people that want to walk that with you, and we want to give you what you need for each step. Lord Jesus, again, we just thank you for this time. And God, we praise you. We're going to worship you right now with another song, God. And we pray that you are pleased with our worship. We want to live to please you. Thank you for looking at us and loving us and saving us. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For up-to-date series information, find us on social media at CityViewPHX or go to cityviewphx.com.